HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Cabot Creamery, celebrating 100 years of being a dairy farm family-owned cooperative. Learn more at cabotcheese.coop. That's cabotcheese.coop. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, we're celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, we've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. It's been 10 years, and we're just getting started. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in them rhythm and blues that sound. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Souther Teague, uh, recording from uh, my mobile studio in New Orleans, Louisiana, um, at Tales of the Cocktail 2019, hanging out with my good friend Mo Herms, a uh, primary investor of The Mermaid in L.A., mm-hmm. and also you host your own podcast, I uh, do. Music and Booze with Mo. Yes, and you have been a guest, and it was such a lovely time. Well, what a great time we had. We did. We talked about our radio days, because we, we're both... Well, you're currently still on radio, but we were back in the day, old school FM radio nerds. That's right. Um, I was a DJ on AOR station when I was a young man, and you were... I was at KLX Berkeley, 90.7 FM. See, there you go. <laughs> uh, mine was uh, Island 106, WILN Radio, reaching the beaches and shaking the lakes. Yes, that's right. See, ours had the really horrifying, the fist of the University of California. Yes. <laughs> There were many. I uh, mean, the it was fist. the fist. That was like because you know Berkeley, and the station is going into its like fifty fifth or fifty sixth year. Oh, pretty sure Island one hundred and six is gone. Really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, because you know, commercial radio switches yeah. over so often, whereas university, it's the school. The school's still there. Mm-hmm. So um, that uh, radio station went through the sixties. You yeah. know, and and they were rebellious. And when John Lennon came out for the riots and was like on a rooftop protesting. Our radio station, one of our kids ran up there with a microphone. So we were always sort of like involved in that rebellious spirit. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the fist of the university. The fist. It's nasty. It's a little, it's a little creepy. <laughs> Maybe it's time it, to it update. Has, it hasn't aged well. <laughs> Maybe it's time to update the nomenclature. Um, but yeah, that's where I was. So you did that, and then you, you went into a career in the music industry as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but not as a musician. No, I don't have those skills. Yeah. I, I kind of see myself as someone who has 
I appreciate the skills of others, and so I try to do what I can to um, highlight those. You know, when I worked in radio, I would bring in bands and interview these bands, and because I wanted people to know about them. And I can't play music, but I appreciate what they do. And I have now kind of been able to sort of transition my life to do that for uh, bartenders, <laughs> yeah, cocktail folks and everything. Sometimes people already know who these cocktail folks are. Sometimes they don't. And I meet these musicians who are also fantastic bartenders and throw them on my podcast to give them, you know, a little, a little extra oomph. Let's yeah. talk about what you do. Let's talk about what you create in terms of a drink or music. Yeah. You know, so sometimes they've got music out and I'll end the show by playing a track from their band or something. So you can go to their bar try a great drink and then listen to their music you know let's let's give everybody an extra buck if we can <laughs> well what a great way to sort of integrate the things that you seem very passionate about right yeah. it seems like you like muse, music and it seems like you like drinking yeah I like both those things a lot <laughs> yeah I've, you know it's funny because I've worked in the music industry even when I was in high school like yourself because you were quite young when you were doing the radio thing. I was I was in high yeah, school you were in high school so when I was in high school, uh, my high school had a, a campus radio station. Not quite Beverly Hills 90210 style, you know, but we did broadcast through speakers onto the campus. So at yeah. lunchtime, and my father also taught my high school. So I would go to the high school in the morning at like 6 a.m. No one else got there till like 7.15. And then go into the library and I would just play records. And so when people were coming into school, they would hear records. So I did that in high school, and then I got to college and got into radio, and then started working full time, transitioning music. With bars, I actually, you know, would go to bars, and I used to at home have what I called party booze. I didn't have great liquor at home. I had like Cuervo and Malibu and stuff like that, but I didn't really drink. You probably had some handles. You want economy size when it's right, home, totally. right? Right, totally. Because if people came over, I'm like, ah, I guess just drink that. I didn't go get into making them nice cocktails because I always went out for that and I appreciated what other people did and I was a little too intimidated to try to do something like that at home. And I had a friend, uh, do you, you know Tad Carducci? Of course. Yeah. So I met Tad almost 20 years ago. Yeah. I was not a cocktail person and he was my first cocktail friend in a way. Yeah. And he actually sort of taught me about, I love tequila. I grew up going to Tijuana so I drank all kinds of tequila. And he taught me about better tequila. I started learning about, you know, improving the palate, as it were, and learning more about all that stuff, and eventually emboldening myself to make decent drinks for my friends at home. But I'm always going to give credit where it's due, and those are the bartenders in the bar. So I was able to, yeah, combine my passions. Also, I know I'm talking a lot already. That's it, what, this is a talk radio. It's easier for you, I know. It's talk radio. So I had this boyfriend. We've got a friend sitting in the corner over there. She's all quiet. She already knows this story. But I, have the, I had this boyfriend for several years who uh, fancied himself fancy. You know, he's like, hey, I know these guys at this bar. Let's go to this bar. Let's do this. He didn't know much about music because he had a very, uh, a very hyper-Christian kind of upbringing. So once he was out of that community, he had a lot of time that he felt he had to make up. But I'd always been a music nerd. So we would go to bars, and inevitably I would wind up chatting with the bartender. And I was better at it because I was a bit more casual about it. And we would talk about music. So this boyfriend at one point took me aside and he's like, hey, you know, I want to talk to these bartenders too. And I'm like, I'm not preventing you from talking to them. He's like, oh, you're cute, so they want to talk to you more. Red flag number one, right? <laughs> then he would say, can you not talk to them about music because I feel left out? Red flag like, number two. All right. And I'm like, well, okay. I didn't want to feel uncomfortable. So I stopped talking to these bartenders about music. Cut to like, you know, a year after the breakup. I just want to point out that what you just described is the guy was jealous 
that you oh. were getting to talk to the bartender more than <laughs> yeah. him. Not oh, that yeah. he was jealous oh, yeah. that maybe the bartender oh, no. was hitting on you. I get no. All of, all of <laughs> I was very aware. He, this guy, had, he had some things he was sorting out that he's probably still sorting out. <laughs> she laughs. I know, I know. Um, so it comes to like a year and a half after our breakup and I start my podcast, Music and Booze with Mo. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to talk to bartenders about music and booze. And this year it was a freaking top 10 honoree like yourself. At Tales of the Cocktail this Tales year. Tales of the Cocktail. And yeah. I just remember... I was so excited and so happy, and I was like, take that, ex-boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't yeah. let that guy take up any of your mental time. It's, it's, He's not thinking about you right now. Uh, he does a little bit, but it's phasing out. <laughs> it's phasing out. It was one of those things where when that happened, I probably hadn't thought about it for a long time, and that popped up, and I was just like, huh, it's so funny. I was actively discouraged at one point not to have this kind of conversation. From doing this thing that gets nominated for an award. And then I decided, you know, I really do like doing this. And it's something that's fun. And I like meeting these people and I did it. And other people like it as well. I, they which is really do. neat. They, they like you. They really like you. Dude, you don't even know. I texted a friend of mine and I was like, did I text you that? Because you were the one that told me that I got nominated. I was the first to text you. Because I, I saw the noms. I, you know how I saw as, my noms so quickly? I have an assistant who goes through my email. She saw it right away. <laughs> And she texted me the photo that I sent right to you. That you sent right to me. Yeah. And I started to cry a little bit. And the first thing I, I texted, I thought to you, it might have been somebody else, was I said, I feel like Sally Field right now. <laughs> I think that's actually right. I'm going to go back and screen grab it if it's right. I'll, 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 put it up on the, I'll put it up on the Speakeasy Podcast Instagram and you'll see it. But I think you're right. I think you texted me right back saying they like me. They really like me. Um, and it's true. You know, your show is great. Um, and I encourage my listeners to go check it out as well. Um, and as, as you know, I've been obsessed with your show for a while, too. Oh, okay. So Thank we, you. we just have a good time talking to other people as well as each other. Yeah, is... indeed. I mean, you know, conversation is, is, is the greater part of what I do for a living. You know, it's, it far outweighs me making drinks. Uh, well, it far outweighs me tasting drinks. Right. And one of the, the reason I wanted to be a part of opening a bar was because I love the community around it. That's really important to me. And having been a cocktail enthusiast for such a long time, I loved going to a bar and making new friends. I am a, I, I do have a, a, a major tiki streak in my life. I've always liked cocktails in general, but I grew up in San Diego, so we're beach kids. Tiki was sort of like adjacent to that anyway. I never really thought about it. But when I was dating said ex, we went to the Tonga Hut in North Hollywood where they have a program called the Loyal, the Order of the, the wait, Order of the Drooling Bastards, Loyal Order of the Drooling Bastards. Right. There are many words. And you drink 78 drinks that come from uh, Beach Fun Berry's Grog Law. And when you finish, you are a member of this order. So right, he, they you don't have to do it all at once, thank God. Yeah, no, no. They, they, take, and, they keep a record of your how many yes, of you've drank, and yes. then once you, once you get into the, once and you actually, get, finish it. You get one freebie. It's the Mai Tai. Because they assume that you've had a Mai Tai at some point in your life. So they'll give you that one. For I assume hour. nothing. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So well, you're down to 77 drinks at that point. Yeah. So this said ex lived near this bar. And he's like, hey, they do this program over there. And I've been to this bar several times in its 50-something year incarnation when it was a dive bar, when it was grungy. And then I hear it it's the longest up. continuously operated Tiki bar in LA. It absolutely is. And when I started going there, it was kind of a punk rock dive, right? And cut to today where I helped one of the owners curate the jukebox there. Nice. <laughs> but, um, so but always weaving music into the bar. Into the drinks, yeah. So so this uh, then boyfriend of mine was like, they do this thing, we should do it. And I'm like, well, I might as well start. I was living in Northern California. He lived in Burbank. 
And I thought, well, this is the only place we're going to go the next, whenever I come to visit him. So I'll start it too. So I started it and then he and I broke up and I realized that I was going to be moving back to Los Angeles from the Bay Area. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to finish this. Screw that guy. I'm going to finish this list. And so I would come down once a month and work on the list. So I finished it in nine months. You have a year, which technically was nine weeks because I was coming. Only, yeah, because yeah, I was only there once a month. Right. So I became a bastard from the Bay Area, you know, so I would drive down to do this drink list. <laughs> but when I would come down, while I was doing this process, I met so many fantastic people who had already done it or were going through the process as well, the bartenders there. And it became a thing where I made some really amazing friends and learned much more about the whole tiki subculture. And it just, um, what is the word I'm looking for? It just made me feel even more confident in the fact that the bar community is a community that I love. Whether it's a tiki community or a craft community or just a dive bar community, there's people who hang out and just love being at bars and are not necessarily drunks that love hanging out. And it's going to welcome you with open arms. Yeah. Right? You're Holiday welcome. Cocktail Lounge, that's where I met you. Yeah. <laughs> is one of my favorite bars that I've ever been to. We met at the Holiday Cocktail Lounge. Uh, my favorite bar in the world is a place called the Hatsitatsi in Albany, California, just outside of Berkeley. What's and the Hotsi Tatsi? Is it a tiki bar? Not only is it one of the best names for a bar ever. Exactly. It's been around since like the 40s, like after Prohibition. When I used to, when I was in college and I used to go there, it was illuminated by beer lights. And it has changed to uh, the tin ceiling and everything. They do great craft cocktails and you can get your Michelob Highlight. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Perfect. And they have a taco truck out front except for Tuesdays when a local... Except Tuesday. Except it's Tuesday. Taco Tuesday. I know. Tuesday's the only night the taco truck is not parked out there. On Tuesday, a local... Is that for irony? Is that just for irony? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know the lady who runs the taco truck. But on Tuesday, some neighbor... And I'm not getting Hotsi Totsi in trouble right now by saying this. Some neighbor comes by and hangs out in the parking lot with a giant pot of stew. And they call it Stew's Day. Tell me the neighbor's name is Stuart. God, I hope so. I don't know. <laughs> this is a real nice old guy that always comes over with a giant like gumbo kind of crawfish pugs. Yeah, exactly, of stew to serve to people at this bar. And that is what I love. I love that here's a guy, he's a local, he's like just hanging out in the parking lot going, I got your stew outside right now. You know, he's just doing it for the hungry patrons. He's like, come on out, I'm not going to poison you. I live around the corner. Come have some stew. I love that whole community idea of a, a bar. And, you know, when I was in much more, I still work in the music industry, but, you know, I did scenes, I was in radio, there was still that community around it, and I love yeah. that. I love that. So, I mean, any way I can make the two come together, I'm yeah. really happy to try. Um, so, you you made your career in the music industry, and you've found a way to tie the two together. Yeah. Are you still working in the music industry? I am. My day job is music industry. Yeah, what, so what is your day job? I what do you do? I actually can't say what I'm doing right now, because I live in Ooh, LA, and everything is like, yeah, it's all about NDAs out there. But I can't say that in the past... The fucking Agent Mo Herm. <laughs> I can't say. Yeah. In the past, I used to uh, maintain the Warner Music Group Spotify profile. Right. I have, that. That's really fucking it's cool. It's interesting. You're like, who does that? I um, have created several playlists that exist on the Apple Music Store. Um, I did work within that for a long time. I can't tell you which ones, though. That's still NDA-ish. But I did uh, do that kind of thing. I've done work where I work with Apple, with iTunes... 
Um, kind of working with the robots, and by that I mean algorithms, and that's yeah. about as much as I can say. But it is still all music related. Um, I used to, for a long time, I used to create playlists that played in restaurants, bars, gyms, etc. And uh, it's kind of one of the jokes is one of the owners of the Tomahawk used to play with Cypress Hill. Um, and so when he met me, he's like, Oh, you're a music nerd. You know more than just like the exotica stuff. Mm-hmm. Because it's a bar where it's important that we acknowledge that there are non tiki people that come to this bar. So I still work with him a couple times a year. We'll just change out a bunch of CDs and throw in fun stuff. I'm like, Oh, you know, we got to put Ty Siegel in here because the Rod Rock kids love this and this is new. You yeah. Know? Um, I think that sounds like a fun yeah. ass job. It's going and fun. setting the tone literally for, yeah, for spaces. Kind of. Well, it's it's more about, in some ways, it's more about sort of predicting the clientele and what kind of music they want to hear when they're there drinking. And also, to me anyway, it's really important that the staff is getting to hear stuff they want to hear. Um, yeah. Now, obviously, if someone's like... music fatigue. Yeah. Because you're there for two hours, three hours, maybe even four hours, possibly five hours. And you're drinking, so your staff is there for eight to ten hours. Exactly. And it's really important that there's some way to marry the two. So that the staff doesn't want to commit suicide after a day, right. you know, you know, they have to have something that gets them excited from time to time. Everything's going to get old when you work there because you hear all this music that just goes on and on and on. Right. But, you know, I would try to change it all out so that, you know, the staff is still getting excited about things. And I would always talk to the staff like, what do you guys like right now? That's going to work here. That's not going to work here. Right. You know, so that I could at least get something that everyone can agree on from time to time. <laughs> yeah, our, our, I think our mutual friend, you know Eric Castro, right? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Our mutual friend Eric Castro has a podcast also nominated yes. this year, Bartender at Large. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's on record more than once by saying, you know, uh, 90% of the bars out there that, that think they need help could just do a little bit with their lighting and better music. Yeah. Right? Uh, you know, what I've noticed is that people notice the music if it's really great or if it's really awful. Yeah. Otherwise, they don't notice it at all. And that's fine. That is fine. That's totally fine. Because that's the hole that I'm stuck in at my bar. Right. <laughs> Do you have music in your bar? See, you don't even notice. I didn't know. Yeah. Well, you know, when I was at your bar last, I got there and I was already pretty tipsy. You probably didn't notice that. I'm pretty good at holding it. Yeah. Just like giving me a look. No, I yeah. noticed. I noticed. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm brown some... out right now. What are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. I'm in New Orleans, lady. I feel there fine. Was, there was nobody really there. I think there were like two people, two or three people there when I got there. <laughs> you must have been blacked out. That's never true. No, no, no. no. Well, it was like a Wednesday or something. <laughs> but no, the thing is, shortly after I got there, then there were like 30 people in the bar. So I probably walked in right at a shift yeah. change. A bunch of people probably just Yeah, left. it breathes. It yeah. breathes in, it breathes out. Mm-hmm. I was there and there was very, there was really nobody there and then suddenly there were a lot of people. Yeah. But I just remember the... Um, level of excitement, yep. people that were there, just they're like out for the night having fun. I remember that, not the music. Yeah, you know? we uh, because of my neighbor upstairs, uh, we made a deal a yes. long time ago. I have a single speaker Bose. Uh, I'm only allowed to play uh, background vocalist jazz. Oh wait a minute, but, oh, which I don't mind. Jazz. I like. I thought it was Dave Brubeck's greatest hits, like all the time. It used to be. I, I, <laughs> when I first, I got angry and I just said, "Then I'll just play this album forever." I was so mad. <laughs> and you did. Because we were like, you know, we played punk rock and we played yeah. like classic rock and like just fun and whatever. I, yeah. I, I don't, I don't not like jazz. It's that I don't like having to be told. Yeah. It's my place, and I should do what I want. Exactly. And in the end, frankly, it's been a, a benefit for us. Mm-hmm. Because people do come there for what we do. Mm-hmm. They don't come there for the music. So like you just said, you remember when it's good, you remember when it's bad, when it's bad and you don't even notice it otherwise. Yeah. So we're in, the, we're in the don't notice it category. And that's fine. That's fine. I, I, I notice it sometimes. I'm like, man, I wish I could be listening <laughs> to like Queen right now or something. And it's, you know, it's some, you know, 
Herbie Hancock thing that I don't like or whatever. Right. Or that I do like. It's just, again, I don't like that to be told. I'm, I feel so fortunate that I get to work on the playlists for um, The Mermaid, our, which we have a bar. So I have two other women. We own a bar in downtown L.A. And hey, we're, let's pause right there, actually. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break and hear, oh, from yes. our, hear from our sponsors. But then I was about to jump you into The Mermaid anyway. So it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a good transition. L.A., we're all about jumping in. Yeah, we'll, we'll take a quick break and hear from our sponsors on Speakeasy, uh, on Heritage Radio Network. So you're listening to the Speakeasy. Easy. Stay tuned for more with Mo Herms from L.A. This episode is brought to you by Cabot Creamery, celebrating 100 years of being a dairy farm family-owned cooperative. Cabot Creamery Cooperative has been in continuous operation since 1919. They make a full line of award-winning cheeses, Greek yogurt, sour cream, cottage cheese, and butter. And you can taste a century of commitment in every bite. It's simple, the best milk makes the best cheese. Cabot is known for its award-winning cheddars. They're naturally aged, naturally gluten-free, and naturally lactose-free. Try their classic mild sharp and extra sharp cheddars, or spice it up with habanero cheddar, horseradish cheddar, and pepper jack cheese. After 100 years, Cabot Farmer's commitment to making the world's best cheese and dairy products has never been stronger. When you love what you do this much, the best is always still to come. Cabot is owned by 800 dairy farm families in New England and upstate New York, and 100% of its profits go back to its farmers. As a certified B Corp, Cabot is committed to doing the right thing in business. They even have a Department of Gratitude formed to honor, amplify, and reward those who give time to do good, much like the farm families of Cabot do in their own local communities. Learn more about Cabot Creamery Cooperative at cabotcheese.coop. That's cabotcheese.coop. Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. My name is Linda Liu, and I'm the host of Feast Meets West, the show that celebrates Asian culture through the lens of food here on HRN. Listen to episodes like The Evolution of Chinatown with Numwa Tea Parlors, Wilson Tang, and New York Times' Elaine Chen. Catch our ongoing series, Women in Asian Food, and spotlight episodes with our heroes like Anita Lowe. You can find Feast Meets West wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. And we're back on the Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network, uh, reporting to you from New Orleans, Louisiana, during Tales of the Cocktails 2019 uh, uh, convention. Um, I'm sitting with uh, one of the longlist nominees for Best Podcast and Broadcaster Video Series, my dear friend Mo Herms (laughs) of uh, Music and Booze with Mo and The Mermaid LA. Let's talk about The Mermaid. Yeah, The Mermaid is really exciting. So technically, I'm an investor because our owners, it's all semantics, the owners are the ones who actually do all the hard work. They're behind the bar, they're getting their fingers cut on things, you know, doing the orders, lifting stuff. I'm more behind the scenes, and I've I've been really fortunate to have met some wonderful people to help us out, connect them. We do, uh, we're a female-owned and operated spot, and we didn't mean for it to be that way. We were just a bunch of ladies that wanted to open a bar, and we did. We found that there are four female-run, owned and operated bars in all of L.A. County. Uh, and three of them opened in the last year and a half. So we're one of those, The Mermaid, and we do, uh, every second Wednesday of the month, we have Woman Crush Wednesday. We bring in a guest female bartender from somewhere around town, generally, but we've had uh, Shannon Whistler. 
Oh, yeah. She guested with us from Gladys. Yeah, and uh, her book, Modern Tiki. Mm -hmm. We've had Jeannie Grant from Pagan Idol up in uh, San Francisco. Uh, She's been down. We'll have um, some more San Francisco folks coming up as time goes by. So, you know, if folks happen to be passing through town on that second Wednesday of the month, then we'll do that. We also pick a uh, local women's-oriented, generally, charity monthly that we'll fundraise for as well because we want to be tied into our community somehow. We highlight our femme Bartenders are a, are a very philanthropic group. We are. And also, I come from nonprofit radio. And, you know, one of my business partners, uh, Katie Kildo, she has worked with Miri's List in Los Angeles, which is a refugee oriented uh, nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So it's always been about finding people a place to live in America and yeah. actually letting them cross the border and come here right. and, and have a better life. Um, so she's always been very, very philanthropic as well. Um, so that's always been a part of our mission and also to highlight fem we call it fem folded spirits so spirits that are owned distilled blended if, if there's a woman somewhere near the top there we're going to highlight it somehow we have a shelf of female brands basically we try to do special cocktails with that so that we have a little section on our menu that should, we want to educate you know at the end of the day so we get asked from time to time why why do you have to do that why do you need to uh, you know, emphasize that it's your female run and you know, all this. And I'm like, you know what? One day we won't have to. Yeah. One day it won't be like, you know, an eighth of the bars out there in the world or this small percentage of distilleries that are run by women. One day it'll be a 50-50. One day no one will even think about it anymore. Yeah. But right now, they do. And we need to get that out there and we're getting that out there until... It doesn't need to be 50-50. It simply well, needs know, to be... It just needs, it to be needs to be not a ratio. It, seems, it needs to be a ratio mm-hmm. that's not so desperate. Right? right? Yes, exactly. Like, exactly. It doesn't need to be an anomaly. The ratio <laughs> needs to be more close to the number of men and women that there are. Yeah, right? yeah. You know, just and kind the of same like, for people of color, etc. Cetera, right? Et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. Right? Yeah. No, it, that's exactly it. 100%. So, um, so, you know, that's kind of... When we opened up, we're all, let's try to push this. Let's get that out there. And um, folks have responded to it greatly. It just We've had so much enthusiasm. Customers that hear about this and come through. We have wonderful regulars that want to help and be a part of it. And going back to the community thing, I was so used to it with music, but we've really been able to. We're in the uh, on the edge of the arts districts, district. This is New Orleans booze talking. At the edge <laughs> of the arts district and Little Tokyo in Los Angeles. Um, that community around there has really risen to the occasion. We've talked with some of the other bars that have also opened up somewhat recently about doing little bar crawls. Everyone's very supportive of each other. It's very much the uh, rising tide raises all ships uh-huh. mentality out there. Each bar kind of has their own thing, but everyone's trying to help. So it's been wonderful. I'm so thrilled to be a part of it. And uh, yeah, we're having our one year anniversary actually. I was just about to ask how old. Yeah. We'll be one years old in August. One year old in August. So we're planning all kinds of events. It's going to be a I great was about time. to ask. Yeah, you know. Yeah. We're actually going to have a mug release. We're not really, we're not a tiki bar. We are tropical. I like to call us aquatic. We have a lot of rum on the menu. We'll say that. I mean, it's but called the mermaid. It is called so the mermaid. So it's aquatic. A lot of, well, you know, when we first opened up, and especially since I have a tiki affiliation, people were, there were people who went in there and were disappointed that it wasn't a tiki bar. And we are like trying to let people know, educate that we are not a tiki bar. We're just a fun neighborhood dive that happens to have mermaids because we actually have a, 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 a porthole in the corner with a TV behind it. It's our magic with video of mermaids swimming. I, I, <laughs> I, have, I have mermaid friends. <laughs> uh, we'll say at the rec bar in Fort Lauderdale, Marina is the queen of the mermaids down there. She has a whole mermaid show and she did video for us that we play in the porthole. So people come in and 
they, you know, they come watch the mermaids because the mermaids swim up to the portal and blow you kisses and wave at you and such. So you know the actual Yes, she's actually mermaid. officiating my, my wedding and such. <laughs> she's going to dress as Elvis. Water? No, she's dressing as Elvis for that because that, that's my other thing. But, um, but yeah, so we actually do have mermaids, but I like to say we're aquatic. People say more nautical maybe, but we don't have anchors hanging up anywhere. We've got a diving helmet, but... It's more kelp hanging from the ceiling, you know. It's fun. Mostly you just come in there and it's escape. It's somewhere different. You know, you come in there. We have tater tots and rum drinks, you know. <laughs> it's very and cozy. I could go for some tater tots right, right now. And I was about to say, um, one of my other partners, uh, Arlene Rudland, she owned a beer and wine bar. Had a great playlist there. But she's like, no, I'm not as modern. I like all the old 80s stuff. I'm like, girl, I'm an 80s kid too. But I am much more current, so we updated the playlist. We have great playlists in there. We always get compliments on our music, so people hear it, and it works out for us. So that's part of our vibe is actually that we have great music that plays in the bar too. I mean, I think it's a you know a relatively inexpensive piece to add to the puzzle mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. if you've got the opportunity to have some like curate you a list that's yeah. far longer than mm-hmm. your scheduled shift, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and or. Uh, have lists that are curated to the different times of day that you're open. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I create these playlists that are like 40 hours long. Right. <laughs> so it, it really helps everyone out there. That, but like the, the, the vibe needs to be different at yeah. 5 when I've opened the doors versus 7 when it starts to get going versus 9 right. when we're deep in it. Oh, yeah, totally. Versus totally. 1 when it's fading out. Yeah, and we also have I kind can't of, play the same we also have different tempo, kind of et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. We're yeah, Monday or Sunday. Yeah. Or rather Saturday or, or, or Monday, right? Well, we actually started doing... One of our bartenders uh, was doing it at a different bar, and then he brought it to our bar and all requests metal night. So we started on metal Mondays because Mondays are really slow. So for us anyway, in that part of town. So Mondays at ten, he starts his all request metal Mondays, and now we've got like a clan of people that come in there, and they've got their like, you know, they're wearing their repulsion T-shirts in there, and they're just requesting their metal Monday. And we had a a Canada Day special where we just did Canadian metal. <laughs> and since we're in the little Tokyo district. Uh, next month is the Nisi celebration, so it's second generation uh, Japanese, and they have festivals and parades and all of this. So our Metal Monday, we're doing a night with the uh, Japanese Cultural Center, which is right around the corner from us, Japanese American Cultural Center. We're doing a, metal, a Japanese metal night with them, you uh, know, <laughs> serving soshi shots, you know. <laughs> fucking amazing. So, yeah, I mean, do you have someone on the team who's just doing all these things, like... That's, curating these experiences? Uh, that's me and Arlene. We kind of do it together. Yeah. yeah. I bring in the guest bartenders and work on the charity side, work on the playlists. Uh, we team up on the... We have DJs on Thursdays. Monday is Metal Night, but it's also our industry night since a lot of places are closed. Sure. We have a Tropical Tuesday, so those nights were straight up tropical. It's all happy hour prices and all the rum. You know, great rum drinks. Because we do have fantastic drinks. You know, it's not just that. We actually have some really wonderful cocktails on the menu as well as, you know, Beer and a shot, come on in. And never going to go wrong with a beer and right. a shot combo. Totally. And we just have so much fun doing it. So much fun doing it. And on the weekends when all the kids are there late at night, we do those uh, video playlists. We do have TVs in our bar, which some people object to, and I understand why. But we have a lot of uh, 20-somethings that come in on the weekends, and we do these video playlists. And I swear to God, the first time I was in there, these kids all started singing along to Green Day, and I'm all, you weren't even born when this Green Day record came out. I know you're too young, but I'm so happy <laughs> that you were singing right now. It was like a sing-along in the bar, and people were so happy and having so much fun that I almost cried. I remember like a week later on a Saturday showing up. We were at capacity. We're only 45-person capacity. It's a small spot. And uh, Don't talk to me about small, lady. 
<laughs> you know, it's not you only, the size that matters. You only, it's true, it's true. It's what you do with it. And <laughs> I remember standing outside and a friend came and she's like, are you waiting to get into your own bar? And I'm like, hey man. She's like, don't they know who you are? Well, you know what? I am more than happy to wait because it means we're packed mm-hmm. and people are in there and they're having fun and I'm, I have no problem with that. Yeah, amazing. Really fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I get served last. Yeah, uh, totally. if, if at all. You know, mm-hmm. I get served last. Mm-hmm. I'm, let's take care of people. Let's have a good time. Right? I'm, I'm not here to get in the way. I'm here to, you know, facilitate. I will stand out there and lean against that wall and watch people walk in and out and just be over the moon. Yeah, glad hand them, shake their hands, say hi. Yeah, right? Hi when That's you're coming right. in, bye when you're leaving. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, my buddy that. Travis Tober, his bar, Nickel City, mm-hmm. uh, every single person on the way out gets a handshake. Really? That's part of their, that's their dictum. You get, a, obviously, a greeting on the way in, but you get a handshake on the way out. Hand sanitizing and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that? Yeah. Either you got so much booze on there that you just can't get sick ever, yeah. or you're wiping down. Yeah. Wiping down. My retail days, I remember everybody got colds at the holidays. Yeah. Too much money pass, passing through there, too many germs on the hands. Yeah. I think it makes you stronger, personally. I do, too. And I think <laughs> it makes his it makes his, his bar stronger. Like, yeah. you get, like, a personal interaction with, with someone. You know, mm-hmm. someone shakes your hand before you leave, and that's just incredible. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and it just shows that the bar cares, and the bar wants you there, and they're excited yeah. that you're there, yeah. and they want you to come back. Yeah, absolutely. You know? We love it. Love it. We're just so stoked. How did the idea for the mermaid get cooked up? Well, Arlene and I, actually, around 2014, she and I were looking around about... I had just moved back from the Bay Area and I had owned a home there and I sold it. I had it for three years. In the three years I lived there, my home doubled in value. So I came back with this pile of cash and didn't see the point in buying a home in Southern California because the market is nuts and it was just getting crazier. I'm like, you know, I'd rather invest in something like a bar. You know, I've already... That's not crazy. (laughs) It it felt more practical than buying a house in California. That just speaks to the market out there, right? Mm. So um, Arlene and I connected because I used to go to her... She owned a bar, a a beer and wine bar, but she also owned a cafe at the time. I used to go to the cafe all the time with the ex that keeps popping up in this conversation. It was just that era. And she and I met, and we started looking at doing something together. And this was an idea that came and went because it was really difficult to find something over the years and then we kind of weren't talking about it for a while i mean obviously it was in 2014 that we started looking at this we got the place in, we opened in 2019 so it was something that we thought about forgot about in the meantime she and i went on a trip to Havana together we did things you know and then um in uh the fall of 2017 she met a woman who owned a cafe in uh, in los angeles who was who worked at a bar too and was looking at also having a bar and the three of us teamed up. And once the three of us teamed up, things just kind of happened. And The Mermaid was a place called Bar Seat, which was a Japanese hostess bar. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. I'm leaning in on the mic because no, I have no idea what yeah, that so, is. So basically it meant that it was the kind of place where you went in and there were um, Japanese ladies and men, businessmen generally would go in there. And Japanese ladies would approach them and say, would you like to buy me a drink? And then they would buy uh, yes. her drink and you would have conversation. Yeah. Except our bar at that time had these little curtains that went around small tables. So you could pull a curtain around and it was just important that you be able to see the feet on the ground at all times. But you didn't know what was happening behind that curtain. When we first opened, we had people, we had men walk in that was like, this is bar C? We're like, no. Do you sell snacks? And I remember saying, if you mean tater tots, yes. We have nachos. And he's like, 
no, that's not what I mean. And would turn around and walk out. <laughs> and before it was Barsi, it was still something similar where they had a little slit, like a speakeasy with a slit through the door. And a friend of mine, Rio Hackford, he owns One Eyed Jacks here in New Orleans and uh, El Dorado in Los Angeles. He um, would try to go there all the time. And he finally had a friend who was Japanese. He's like, they won't let me in, but if you are at the door when they slide that open, they'll let you in. And that's exactly what happened because we were in Little Tokyo. So his friend stood at the door, they slid it open and said, okay, you can come in. And then saw the other guy, my friend, and he was like, oh man, it's you. <laughs> you gotta let me in now. Yeah. So it has a very seedy past. Uh, but we've just made it seedy in a different kind of way. Sure. You know. Ribald. Yeah, exactly. So this place, it was on the market for one day. We went in there. The owners were selling it to move back to Japan. Their son just wanted the money because he was opening a disco somewhere else. Some sort of nightclub disco-y kind of thing. Had no interest in this little tiny bar. And we walked in and they thought we were cool, cool ladies. That they were awesome women. And that it was a Japanese family that liked us and actually just wanted to give us a shot. And Amazing. then we got it and we were so excited, so thrilled. How long is your lease? 10 years. Yeah. So yeah. in LA, that's very important. So yeah. whenever someone says to me, I'm sorry, I haven't been there yet. I'm like, you got nine more years. After uh, that, who knows yeah. where we're gonna be. But we got a great lease, great deal. At least nine more years with the mermaid in Little Tokyo. So we're excited. That's super yeah. exciting. I'm super that's happy for exciting. you. Thank you. <laughs> How much um, longer do you have for years? We have eight, eight more on this lease. Eight more? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, at, at a more. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and the other bars yeah. varying. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're not going anywhere. Excellent. Um, Excellent. And it's similar in New York. You have to get a 10-year lease to mm -hmm. make anything work. Uh, yeah, right. If you get a five, what's the point? Yeah, you're not going to make by the time. Yeah, by the time you get anything going, you got to go. Yeah, you know? you're not going to get your investment back. And, mm -hmm. and, yeah. So we were stoked. Yeah. I'm being so California on this. It was rad. We were stoked. It you are awesome. California. I'm way California, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm all New York now. I yeah, live right? in New York. Forget about it. I'm walking over here. <laughs> totally rad, dude. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> out of my way. That's, my, that's New York. Should Just I do all the variations of dude? Yeah. Then I do the dude, 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 dude. Yeah. Dude. We've got all the dudes. Dude. dude. Yeah. All the young dudes. Um, <laughs> Taking it back to music. If anybody needed or wanted to get a hold of you or The Mermaid, how are they going to do that? We are on Instagram and Facebook. We do have a website, The Mermaid LA. It's got our menu there. A lot of people don't notice that, but we do have our menu there. So you can see our drinks and see our snacks besides Tater Tots. Those are just my favorite things. Um, and uh, we have The Mermaid LA is our Instagram handle. All, all one word, The Mermaid all LA. The Mermaid LA. Mm -hmm. That is our Instagram handle. And then if you just want to find me and hear more about the podcast, uh, that is... She be Shebmo, she be Mo, S H E, letter B M O. There's a picture of my eye. That's what you see. I've had that handle since email started in like the early 90s. We didn't realize at the time it should have been she be -E Mo. So it's just Shebmo. But yeah, that's how you can find me. And that's where you get info about the, uh, the podcast. Music and Booze with Mo. Music and Booze with Mo, which has its own webpage too. So you can go find it. How long has the show been on at this point? You know what? I'm getting up to the two year mark. That'll be October that I'll hit two years. And you're putting out one a week? Uh, no, I only do two a month because I still have the day job at the bar. So I can only do two a month. Two a month, okay. Two a month. Mm -hmm. That's, well, that's it. cool though. Two a month is fun. Yeah. I have a great time doing it. Uh, and it's a great show to listen to as well. And, and you, always, you also put together a Spotify list after talking to each guest, right? I do, yeah, because we've got one for you. Yep. Um, we always do, every guest, that's something I love because I always learn something. They, they, my guests, quite often are intimidated because I'm such a music nerd. But 
you're always learning. I think in anything you do, you should always be learning. Mm -hmm. So I always tell them, I'm like, dude, you're going to tell me something I've not heard before about something. I'm going to learn from you. So just stop being lame. Just give me your list. Let me learn something from you. Give me your Spotify list. So I always ask for a list of songs that go with the podcast. Maybe we talked about it. Maybe it's just stuff that you love to chill out to or you want to work to. Or it's just your 10 favorite things you think everybody needs to know about. You know, But it's always fun. So there is a Spotify. So I am on Spotify as Shevmo as well. Um, and you can find all those lists there. Amazing. So yeah, it's fun. Do you have a, please exclude me from the running. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite <laughs> guest you've had? A favorite guest that I've had? Um, gosh. You know, I was just talking to someone the other day about two podcasts where I realized I giggled an awful lot. And you know both of these people. It was Dale DeGroff. I did a lot of giggling. He's a charmer. Because he is a charming, charming gentleman, and he told some great stories. He has the best fucking stories. And Brian Miller from Polynesian. Hell yeah. Who is a lovable, cranky old man. Yeah. I'm older than him, but he's a cranky old man. He's my favorite pirate ever. He knows it. He's absolutely my favorite pirate, and I just wish the best for him. But that interview, we giggled. He he made me giggle so much that his brothers called him up afterwards and were like, "What's up with this mo chick? Are you guys dating?" <laughs> and I'm, so, I'm like, "Yeah, my boyfriend didn't like that very much." No, he actually, my, my now fiance, listened to that podcast. He's like, "That was a really good one." I'm like, "You don't mind that I seemed so giggly?" And he's like, "No, it was great. It was hilarious. It was just so you." So I'm like, yeah. "Thanks. Yeah, it was great." So probably those who would rank up there for me just because I had such a fun time. Being Righteous dudes. No, 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 no qualms with those Great guys. People. But I've been so lucky to meet and interview so many amazing, amazing bartenders just with skills that I don't have. You know, I could never do high volume. If I get behind the bar, I'm terrible in a quiz show. I just forget. This is why I mentioned to you I would be intimidated to be an actual bartender because I would just forget the recipe. Even if it was tattooed on my arm, I'd get back there and just go, just freeze. I would just freeze. Right. So I just, I just steer clear of that stuff. Well, you know. Uh, At home, I can make you something lovely. Know your talents, you mm-hmm. know. Absolutely. Know your talents yeah. and use them to the best. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> well, what a great pleasure to have you uh, take some time out of your uh, tales of the cocktail and sit down Thank with me and chat. You. Um, you're you're always a blast to hang out with and <laughs> go drinking with, and uh, I think uh, we, next should, time pro- I'm we should probably York. do that soon. Yeah, the next time I'm in New York, we'll go to church. Oh yes, Bargoto. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my Sunday habit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think we should go get a drink here in, t- at, at, in New Orleans at Tales of the Cocktail. Oh, we're eating first uh, though. As soon as we get done with this, yeah, food sounds. You've really been good taunting idea. me with this Acme Oyster House shirt this whole time. It's I know. Nothing else I can think about. Oh my gosh, I, <laughs> I ate so many dozens of oysters. Um, uh, it's one of my favorite places to go. I, I, you know, as a former resident down here, it's, I just love those big fucking Gulf Coast oysters. They're my favorite. Stop it. I'm okay. so hungry. All right. Time to eat. Well, let's wrap up the show. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of The Speakeasies. Be sure to check out Heritage Radio Network for more shows just like this one. If you have the time, go on to uh, our website and click on the beating heart and donate to keep uh, this and other shows like it on air. Thanks again, Mo Herms, for being on the show with us. Thank you. Cheers, darling. Cheers. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to the Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com forward slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. 
driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows that you like. Tell your friends. And please, join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.